You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's show, Locked on ACC. We've got a lot to go over today, but before we do, let me get you started because the NBA draft is very much almost in our face, right? July 29th, 7 p.m. Eastern, you've got Goat Chad Ford, Locked on NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked on NBA host Don Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked on NBA draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. You can follow Locked on NBA on YouTube today and watch the live coverage again. That's July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Drizzy Drake is here for freestyle Friday. We are going over the Atlantic division from ACC kickoff. So finally glad to be back in back at home, but I'm telling you, Charlotte was a good thing. I'm convinced that there are going to be certain teams that are better than I'm probably giving credit to. I don't know, but maybe I just get hype about anyone telling me that they're putting in the work. So we'll see. Maybe Jersey J can talk me off the ledge, but there's a couple teams that are like, maybe we shouldn't sleep on as much as we are. So, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Jersey Drake, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I just finished up hanging up not one but two TVs in my house right now. Y'all can't see right now at home listening, but <laughs> cans can see that the mess that is my den right now. So, but I'm great. I'm excited. But I am here to tell you a little bit that you know everyone's putting work on the offseason. Everyone's going to say that. Everyone's going to say that for that. Like, I mean, I'm yeah. in the camp that think GT and BC are going to be very good, but. I mean, Syracuse putting in work. I mean, they've won one game in the past, what, two years? And let me tell you, I was definitely speaking on the Coastal for a second. Coach Collins, I am very much in on him. I don't know what it, it was about his energy, but it made me buy into whatever Georgia Tech was selling on Wednesday of the ACC kickoff. I was like, okay, listen, maybe they are putting in the work. Maybe we are sleeping on them. And they talk, he talked really about how hard 2020 really was for the team. And I don't think we give credit because we saw some teams have success. Right. We saw some teams yeah. kind of go through, go through the season without having major uh, players out or having like a whole group of linemen, like not being able to play. There wasn't a whole lot of disconnect, you know, amongst that. And so, of course, when you do see that from other teams, you assume, oh, well, they're just bad. And, you know, all these kind of things are not going to get much better. But now that everyone's pretty much had a fair slate all around, no excuses amongst the, the bunch. Okay, put up or shut up for a lot of these guys. And I know, of course, depth-wise, Georgia Tech might not be there, but I don't think that they'll be as slouchy as some people are making it. No, they have the best running back in the entire conference in Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he's Dalvin Cook light. I love the way the kid plays the game. He's patient. Like, And the reason why I say that that because Dalvin Cook played a lot like Le'Veon Bell in his prime Steeler years. He would wait behind the line, probably put his hand on the back of his lineman, and wait to see where he wants to go. The vision was, like, unparalleled. And Jameer yeah. Gibbs has the same thing. and. With Jeff Collins, no one's talking about it, that he's he's taken recruiting the GT to another level. Like it's cool now to go to GT. It's cool like for to join the swarm. He's like they're using the Atlanta sort of like you know culture like mm-hmm. to bring kids in. And he's like he's brought in you know Marquez Adar, Adar, Marquez Azar. My apologies, my guy from as a transfer. Jeff Sims is another one from the Florida area. He is building something like really. I'm not going to say they're now champion champion thing in like five years, but like they they're yeah. building like something into a solid, consistent football team that used to be a punching bag for many years. So. I'm actually really, I am high on Jeff Collins. Same thing with Jeff Halfley over Boston College. 
And listen, they also just released the fact that they are going to have a whole season dedicated to Aaron. I mean, Henry Aaron, Hank Aaron, and it's going to be 404, like, you know, shout out to the city. So again, they are mm-hmm. buying to that whole idea of Atlanta's the swag. That's where you want to go. And I'm not mad at it because you got to sell it for some <laughs> reason, right? You know, if you got it, we were talking, I can't even remember which, who it was who was talking about the fact that when it comes to NIL deals, like, yeah, we see celebrities walking down the street all the time. Like, obviously that's not the same case as Syracuse. It's not the same case in Boston College. So of course, you sell Atlanta a lot differently. So again, not nobody to sleep on, but speaking of teams that we're not sleeping on, we're going to go on. I'm going to go over a couple and I want to get your thoughts. Of course, we started out the day with day two of ACC kickoff. Mr. Coach Norvell got up there. He made a statement about coach Bowden, you know, thoughts and prayers dealing with terminal, you know, illness and all that good stuff. Of course we are wishing him well. And then we got to the nitty gritty of things, right? How he wants to get kind of in the thick of things and really, wants to focus and hone in and use McKenzie because <laughs> I feel like everyone's all signs were pointing that McKenzie Milton was going to be the starting quarterback come fall. Yeah. I mean, when he, I mean, I, when he entered the transfer portal, I'm like, please, for the love of God, come to us this year. Cause I was a huge fan of McKenzie Milton, the 2017, 2018 year where he did finish fifth in the Heisman voting. Actually, people forget about that. And he was dynamic with, I was a Scott Frost when he was there and with Josh Heupel at the end of his career there. And I was under the impression the moment he signed on, I'm like, okay, that's our QB one for the rest of the year. I love Jordan Travis, but the thing about Jordan Travis, if you watched a lot of his games last year, his passing, it's there, but his accuracy for intermediate and deep throws leaves a lot to be desired. His anticipation can't be, isn't really that great. And if you look at Mackenzie Millen's, you know, highlight tape, his anticipation, that's how he lives. He's a gunslinger. He'll put them in small windows for wide receivers, not only to catch the ball, but to catch the ball and have yards after the catch. And that's, something that we really, really need because our mm-hmm. receivers already aren't particularly that stellar. I mean, they're decent, but we have a kid coming in with Andrew Parson at Kansas, but they're, we, they need a little more help. And Jordan Travis didn't really provide that. Uh, like, and to me, Jordan Travis is the heir apparent. Jordan mm-hmm. Travis is going to sit for a year and learn from Mackenzie Millen. And you can tell from their Instagram, you can tell today, like they're really close. They're boys. They yeah. like each other a lot. And Jordan Travis to me has the potential to be, like Lamar Jackson, because he's probably the most dynamic person on his legs. In my opinion, he's the best running back actually in the room because he's so damn fast and so damn elusive. But if he adds an arm and accuracy to that sort of thing with Mackenzie Milton teaching him the way to go, that that boy's dangerous. Yeah. Now let's talk about one McKenzie Milton and the fact that he called himself an old head when referring to he and <laughs> De'Aaron King. And I sat there like, wow, looking at my gray hairs, I'm so offended. Talking about being 24 and a vet in the game and helping these young guys kind of figure out and navigate college football, which, you know, kudos to both of them. You know, looking at both of their sizes, I see why they're best buddies, right? I see why they're, they're so pretty short. much hand in hand. They are. They're, they're a lot smaller. And I was talking to one of my insiders. He's like, well, that's probably why he, you know, first went to UCF because of his size was that when I was mm-hmm. looking at other quarterbacks throughout the day, you know, Phil Djokovic, uh, DJ, and what's my guy? What is my guy who was sitting there nice and tall? There or it Devin is. Devin Larry? No, Devin wasn't that tall either. Uh, what is, what's my what name? What school is he? Uh, now I'm going to have a brain. That's going to hurt me the rest it's, of the day. Don't, don't Sam, say Hartman, Sam, Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman. Okay. Yeah, a little bit taller. He, I mean, maybe it was the hair. Sam Hartman also had a new haircut that was very nice, by the way, aside. McKenzie was looking <laughs> small, but I do think that he's going to be great. One thing about uh, 
Jordan Travis was when he got up on the podium, he was talking about the fact that he doesn't care if he's playing next to or behind McKenzie, which further said, okay, we, we know who our starter is going to be, right? He well, never said yeah. if I play ahead of him, which, you know, no tea, no shade. If he had said that, we could have, you know, extended the mystery. But the fact that he didn't even imply that he might be ahead of him kind of like sealed the deal. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think he knew the not the writing was well, yeah, the writing was on the wall when he came in. And mm. and hopefully I didn't I was really scared that he'd be like, oh no, this, this is Louisville all over again. And oh no, this is like the first year underwood Taggart when I came in here that I won't be able to play. That was mm. kind of like what I really was afraid of. But the fact that he's like, you know, he's shown up with him not only to ACC Media Day at close, but they're also you see that Jordan Travis is part of his dream field with Derek King with Mackenzie Mill. Like he does the NIL stuff with him. He also does all the camps and QB camps with him together. Like to me, this like looks like the mentee mentor kind of relationship, and and I'm I wouldn't be surprised honestly though that this year, if you watch FSU games, that Jordan Travis is going to be there in probably in that formation for every red zone snap, whether mm. it be lined up as a QB, running back, or even a slot receiver, because the boy is athletic as hell, and yeah, he, he is dynamite with the ball in his hands. No doubt. And another note, when Jordan Travis was talking about uh, his time at Florida State, he basically alluded to the fact that when Taggart was there, he thought about quitting football altogether and having Coach Norvell, he really kind of brought back his passion for it and reason why he's still there. I mean, that's the one thing that like, I'm not gonna lie to you. We, he sat behind, I want to say it was James Blackman. And Mm -hmm. he, I, my personal opinion now saying is like, I'm like, how did you sit behind not only James Blackman, but also Bailey Hawkman on the depth chart. Like I know you're a transfer acclimated to the playbook, but the big thing about Taggart was that it was legal simplicity where the playbook was very small, a lot of the same plays, a lot of quick, you know, outs, quick, quick runs. So I would be discouraged too. And it shows a lot to how mentally tough the kid is that he yeah. stuck through because most kids would transfer out at the scene, you know, for first or second time. Now, maybe it's because he didn't have the instant transfer again, but also like still you would wait. It still would be the yeah. same thing. So I give kudos to the kid. Yeah, for sure. And then touching on the defensive side, Jermaine Johnson, the second, talking about how he is going to be that veteran leader because the team is young. And so he has to kind of bring in instant leadership. And he's really excited about that role. He's something that he's kind of thriving off of. He wants to come in and kind of be available and ready for all sides, you know, that he's needed for. Hopefully he also brings in that swag too, because that suit was <laughs> clean and those shoes. You see the red bond he was wearing? All right. So for those who don't know, he had on this, it was what? A maroon? It was like, like yeah, light maroon, like checkered, like yeah. suit. Like it was swagged like out. Swagged perfectly out with like tailored. With oh perfectly tailored. The man looks huge. <laughs> I swear I'm like, I'm like, okay, Jermaine, I see you. I see right. he's, he's trying to stun over in Charlotte real quick for a little bit. And then his shoes were like the spiked red bottoms. Like it was just I'm like, this is clean, man. Hopefully you're able to get to the quarterback with this, but I didn't know DN's had style like that. <laughs> and one thing I will say, it is nice. And I'll talk about Clemson and DJ at the end, but you can see the players are able to kind of wear what they might wear on draft night. Now they can openly wear that kind of stuff. And nobody's asking like, who bought you that suit? Who bought you those shoes? Like we don't have to have those stupid conversations anymore. Yeah. Well, we don't, we know it wasn't Chipotle or Lululemon because he did <laughs> say that, you know, I would like Chipotle or Lululemon to sponsor me, which like, yeah, man, listen, I'm the same way with you. And also put Publix in there too, though. Oh, Publix for sure. But we have a couple guys who had some uh, food deals in there that we're going to go over today. Speaking of uh, yesterday's reveal, Sam, Sam Howells was part of Bojangles, which was pretty dope. But again, I think that Jermaine is certainly going to have his you know work cut out for him on that defensive side. It's always interesting to have to take on that role of being a leader until once you get in the thick of it and you understand you're in the thick of it. <laughs> 
I mean, he comes from the SEC, though. With Georgia I understand and, that. And Kirby Smart, kind of like, I definitely put a fire under his ass, but he also is going to be asked to be the best DE that we've had since Brian Burns because we had more sacks than our entire defensive line last year, and he only had, like, what, five? <laughs> and let's talk about the fact that ACC is not sleep, doesn't have slump quarterbacks, so you're going to no, be put on don't. display. <laughs> Six of them have Davey O'Brien award watch list, so you are going to be on display, and we're going to expose you quick. But maybe he'll be <laughs> nice and strong, and he'll keep his things together because he's right and tight because he's had some Bilt Bar. That's the probably the first thing he needs to get an NIL deal with. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Know what my favorite flavor is? Definitely double chocolate, sometimes mint brownie, and even every now and then a little bit of cookies and cream. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Check out the macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calorie, calories ranging, mm, there it is, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five sh- grams of sugar. Order today and get that raspberry, mint brownie, or whatever you desire. Bill Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Offer it now. It goes to BillBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. So we're here on Freestyle Friday recapping ACC Media Day with my guy, Jersey Drake. Has so much to go over. Jumping to Boston College, talking to Coach Halfley, which it was his first season. We got a lot to go over today, and we're going to have to make this two show because I can already feel it. I just I don't want anyone to miss the juiciness of what was. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Day, right. So Coach Halfley, man, he probably had the most personality and charisma of anybody that I got to listen to on the day. And maybe arguably, well, I cannot do that because Coach Matt Brown, Coach Cut cliff are my guys so never mind i take that back but for the young guys <laughs> coach halfley definitely had me like a little i was very engaged and i also if i could have asked should have asked you know everyone i feel like they might are well i feel like they're enjoying flying under the radar but they know they've got some special stuff and i'll tell you why so coach halfley talked about the fact that during COVID, he literally did not meet his team, get to know his team and fully ingrained with his team until like a couple weeks before the start of the season. Like game one, he's still learning names, right? And then you have Phil Jerkovic, Jerkovic, there it is. You got it, you got it, you got it. Got Phil, who had not learned his team as well, trying to figure out the offense, damn sure didn't know the whole playbook and still performed as well as he did. That's a scary sight to me. To me, how well Phil did without fully knowing, and they're revealing now that he didn't know the offense well, for him to, I mean, Hunter Long, yes, that definitely helped situations. But you have, you know, a situation in the place where you're still going to have a strong offensive line. You're gonna, still going to give you time to throw and make great plays. And then, you know, Coach Halfley is defensive-minded. So I think Boston College might finish second in the Atlantic. I don't know. I'm going to put it out there for the universe to feel that one. Oh, no, I'm right there with you. I think yeah. I actually, I've been, I love Jeff Halfley. Like I've said, I said it a thousand times on here. I said I locked on Seminoles too. <laughs> that I think Jeff Halfley was the best coaching hire last year because like you said, we all, he did not meet his team until a few weeks before the season started. And for a lot of his teams that didn't do, didn't do well, Florida State included, we said that last year was year zero. So we kind of gave everyone a mulligan because it was, a, it was very tough circumstances and we, and you should, but this Boston College team wasn't particularly great the year before. Yeah, they won six games, but they also lost seven of them too. And mm-hmm. I, and and ended up with Steve Adagio being fired. 
mm-hmm. they ended up last year six and five. But also, if you look at their losses, they only lost by four to UNC. They lost by less than a touchdown to Clemson. They lost by less than a uh, almost two, less by lost by ten points to Virginia. So, like, this is a team that's very, very scary. And yeah. big and Big Phil is definitely someone to watch out for because he is definitely a great quarterback. I, I, I yeah. don't know how he left Notre Dame. Actually, no, you know, I I do know why because that's Ian Book. <laughs> Ian Book was a very, is a very good quarterback. So scratch sure, that. sure. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, come on, he's Alex Smith. Alex Smith is for my pick. Come on. I think Phil could have done better than Ian. I really? think in pressure situations, you saw Phil. I mean, I, I take well. Mm. That's okay. Okay. I see. I'm having a vision. All right. Ian Book did enough. He definitely is going to be a solid backup for years to come. Okay. I'll give you that. Phil, I mean, though, I think Phil's going to play on play more on Sundays than Ian will. So is Daniel Jones is not that good either. But I mean, with Phil, <sighs> I know you're Josh. So I had to put that in. I had to put that in. Oh, good. But with, but I mean, they also bring in a good transfer in Jane Lawrence Woodby, who I think actually will be playing the buck, which is the mix of the safety and the linebacker. And which is something that I wanted them to do more at Florida State, but he was very dead set on playing DB. But I'm like, he is not great with run fits and everything. No, he's mm-hmm. not great with run fits because he doesn't like to tackle the ball carriers often. So Boston calls to me, and their schedule isn't particularly – it's not out of this world either. And if you're looking at I mean, they start off with Colgate, UMass, and Temple. That's yeah. three wins right there. Yeah. Missouri, to me, is decent. with They have a good coach, but I don't think their team is beatable. Yeah. great. They're beatable. And you look at the end of their schedule, too. They play Georgia Tech, who I like a lot, but Boston College is definitely ahead of them. Florida State, I mean, personally, we're traveling. You have a bunch of Florida kids going up to in the end of November <laughs> during a cold game in, in Boston. X. That ain't fun. And then with fans. Yeah. That's with the fans. other part. Yeah. Yeah. With fans. And that's probably going to be a red bandana game, too. And you know, mm. that's like, I, I don't like going against tradition like that. I'm like, oh, that's it's mm-hmm. like whenever a mascot like passes away, you always, you always mm-hmm. take a team with the mascot. And then they yeah. play with four. So that's, I see them have six games, six wins already looking at their schedule. So they're definitely a team to watch out for. Okay. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not mad at it one bit. I think the big game that probably Halfley wants to get off his chest is the Clemson game. I think that's the one where it'll be a big test to see in year one that we're counting this, where is this team at and the potential that it could have right there. It's kind of like when Carolina played Clemson, what, two years ago and they lost the fourth down. Mm-hmm. at the final play of the game. And it's like, you saw what could be and then saw right on the cusp, but it was that acknowledgement of we're just not right now. We're not quite there yet. No, I can see that with them, but I really do think this team is definitely Boston college are back in the day. I think back in the nineties, earth doesn't was a very, very good team. And they're definitely on the up and up with Jeff Halfley as head coach. And I'm a big defensive minded head coach kind of guy. That's why I think mm-hmm. Dave Aranda, I think we'll do really good things over at Baylor. So I'm actually very excited to see what Boston College is moving forward. And AJ Black's going to love, AJ's going to love this episode, by the way, too. You know that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, final thoughts on Boston College. I think that Zion Johnson really hit it home with the fact that he and Alec Lindstrom are certainly going to lead that veteran O-line. And it really gets down in the trenches. That's where games are won and lost. And frankly, if you have give Phil enough time to make a play and we get guys like Zay Flowers to kind of grow up and elevate themselves, it's going to be a good time. But I, all in all, definitely a team that I'm probably most high on coming into the season as they'll be most improved. So there's that. Now I want to go over NC State and then if we do have time, we'll carry on to the other schools. If not, we'll go to a part two and we'll just give you more for next Friday, right? So I wanted yeah. to talk about NC State Coach Doring gets up there, same old stuff, where I think at the end of the day, State's always going to be good. They are to the point now where they're going to win the games they're supposed to win. They're going to beat, you know, the Marshalls and the Temples of the world. But when it comes to having to step up and get tested, 
Right. I think that's where NC State sometimes hits the mark and sometimes still is kind of, you know, figuring out who they are. Yeah. And also with NC State, I mean, I give them a lot of flack for, I don't particularly think they're good any year, but that's just, me. That's just honestly, folks, that's just, me. that's just me being a hater because back in 2012, we were supposed to win that championship and they, for some reason, Jim Fisher forgot to call it an offense for an entire half against Mike Glennon. If you lose to Mike Glennon, yeah, you don't deserve to win anything. Facts. But they are basically, if you look at the quarterbacks they've produced, like, I mean, Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson was there for a time, Ryan Finley, Mike Glennon. Like, they actually do, they're borderline like Q, Q at least they, not QBU, but they definitely have like, They're have definitely NFL QBU. Yeah, yeah, they're QBU. I go with I mean maybe USC over a little bit. I think Russell Wilson would have been there longer had they not picked Mike Lennon over him for whatever reason. That probably cost um Mr. O'Brien his job. But I think that, you know, for whatever reason he decided to choose, you know, Mike Lennon. Yeah, I mean, I mean what there's a whole podcast that? series on that. Shout out to my guys Joe and Joe for that. One. Yeah, I was like, it was like a baseball thing too. They didn't want to play baseball. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I mean, hey, hey, listen, I mean Jameis stopped playing baseball too for a reason, also, but he also won a Heisman for playing football. <laughs> no doubt. It's easy but, though to not have to worry about your quarterback this fall. That is for one thing. And Devin Leary, as we know, is not your favorite, but I think mm-hmm. that at least he knows his role. He can step up in the right ways. And that brings a whole level of ease for your, you know, receivers in Emeka Mezzi and Thayer Thomas and those mm-hmm. guys. Okay. I know who it's going to be. I don't have to pretend like I have to like Bailey Hawkman, right? Like I can yeah. actually feel a little more comfort and you got Ricky person in the back. I, I you know, and, Mr. What is it? Zonovan Knight. Another yeah, guy. Gonna, Knight. He's going to be really much, really explosive throughout the season. So I, I, I'm a little high on them offensively. I think Grant Gibson definitely had me convinced when he was talking about the, I was asking, you know, at the end of the day, we all know it's Clemson and everybody else. Yeah. You know, what have you and your team felt like you've done this offseason kind of set yourself apart? And he tried to give me you know, the old classic answer. We take it one game at a time, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, at this stage, Every year we seem to talk about the same champion. So I'm, I just want to know what y'all going to do to elevate your game, right? So I think that's just something where I understand the right answer, but also, you know, tell me that y'all some dogs. Like, tell me that y'all ready to go. Like, y'all got everything set up and you're ready to, like, defend the, the Atlantic division. You want you want to be on top. I about to say, yeah. I mean, look at P.J. Tucker talking about how, you know, we are we dogs? Yeah, we're dogs. We need to make sure you come out and be dogs. But exactly. yeah, as much flock as I give Devin Leary, Every single year he's played, he's improved. And numbers don't lie. And he actually is yeah. a successful, consistent quarterback. I think if he stays healthy, this team is going to be a force to reckon with. Because I think they return, what, 19 out of 22 started, which is absolutely an insane number. And then I like I like Bam Knight a lot. I think Bam yeah. Knight's sicko. I think he's so fun to watch. He's so good, so explosive. And the defense, yeah, it's going to be – we're going to look at that to see how they do with that. And then Thayer Thomas. I mean, I didn't know who the kid's name was until he was the slot wide receiver that burned my entire defensive secondary for, I think, like <laughs> – something yards and two touchdowns so nc state definitely can make some noise yeah i just i can definitely see they're going to be they're the probably the most boomer bust team for me actually in the entire conference in my personal opinion because i want to see how devin leary stays healthy true and the fact that peyton wilson people argue defensive player of the year so i got to ask him you know uh obviously some people felt like you were snubbed and he felt like he was he basically said the person who won it didn't play as well as me so like you can read that for what you want but he's like, I'm not really big on awards, blah, blah, blah. I just want to win. I'm like, I get that too, because y'all ain't doing that much, you know, overall. So, I, okay, <laughs> I understand. But also, like, it's no shade to say, like, I know I'm the best defender in the game. I think he and his crew, you know, I think that mm-hmm. Tanner Engel is going to have to stay in games. What's, what's my guy? Is that my guy? 
who can who always gets uh knocked out because of his uh what is thing what is, what is targeting is that tanner it might be that Tanner. might be Tanner because like they have that, that uh, and then um, uh, Miami has Amari Carter who does it every yeah. other game too. <laughs> and then we got Skalski from Clemson. I'm like, bro. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, you know what? I don't want you. Nope. We're not doing that. We're gonna save it for next. We got people to come back right, next Friday. Right, right, I want right, you to save right. it. I want you to save okay, it. Okay. Because I have a really, really just. <laughs> aggravated yeah opinion. we're gonna bring it back i want it next friday there it is but no i really i think that there are gonna be a lot of high impact players who the only team that can get in nc state's way really is nc state right i think they have the pieces but can they be mentally smart can they be disciplined can they you know really finish games right when we saw against miami you can't let one man shout here king run all over you Right. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't let that kind of be your story. So hopefully they'll figure it out. But I'm all for, you know, being high on them. And then one final team I want to talk about today, Syracuse. One in 10 last season. No excuse for it. They understood, you know, listen, this is just not how we want to go out. Coach Babers really hammering on the point that this was the year of redemption. Listen, he was talking about the veteran leadership in Taj Harris, Josh Black and Aaron Survey, who were there mm-hmm. at Media Day and and the expectations. And he really wanted to hammer home the point that there was a lot of offensive line injuries and like fluke injuries. It wasn't on the field stuff that was going on, but they had some serious injuries that of course, you know, cripple you when it comes to trying to finish out a season, they had a fullback playing guard and he just felt like, you know, at the end of the day, they're not excuses, but those, that was their reality. So he knows what's on the line. I think nobody has to ask that man, how are we feeling? Is the seat hot? You know, do you feel a lot of pressure? He know. <laughs> oh yeah. He, he is well aware that this is most likely if they don't, if they don't make a bowl, which I don't think they will, this is really? last year. Yeah. Run the schedule I, back. Run the, run I, the I have the schedule. schedule right. I have the schedule. I already have it. Because I knew you were going to ask me that question. There we go. There so you we go. Start, they start off at Ohio. Right. Which I think. Yeah. Is the, he talked is, about. Mm-hmm, yeah. He talked about that. Rutgers, who isn't a bad team. They're right. not. Right. They're not. They play Albany, which they should win. Of they course. play Liberty, who still has Malik Willis at quarterback. Okay. Okay. They play us. Okay. We capture that. Yeah. I think, and that's actually at Doak. If it was at the Carrier Dome, I would probably, I'm like, okay, because last time I played in Syracuse, that was, did not go that great. But also, mm-hmm. we had Tiger still coaching. That wasn't that great with that. Yeah. They also, Wake Forest, who that's a toss up because they're both not that great. Right. Then they play Clemson, mm-hmm. Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. who I think Justin Fuente isn't that good of a coach, but we'll, we'll discuss that on a later date. <laughs> Boston College, who yeah. we both are, are enamored with. Louisville, which who I don't reserve any Scott Southfield love whatsoever, <laughs> but and actually they could win that game because they lost a lot. And but then they have NC State and Pittsburgh, and I think they'll mm-hmm. lose both those games. And right, so right there, I count already like seven losses right there. Pittsburgh will be close, closer than people think. They might lose, really? but they'll be closer than people think. Because really? and it's all in the line is your last game, and you know you're on play for coach. So Josh Black really hit it home for me, and he was talking okay. about the fact that he did not go try to go to the league or he, he just could not end on a one in 10 season. He wanted to help the program lead the program better than he found it. And one in 10 was just not reflective of that. One thing that, you know, coach Babers would read like and hammered home was the fact that consistency was just something when you look at his whole five years, either win 10, 10 games or one game. And that's just not where he's trying to be at, right? He wants to be mm-hmm. a consistently strong program, which of course we understand, but what is consistently strong to him? Is it seven wins? Is it five wins? You know, like, is it eight wins? Like, what is, what does that look like? 
Yeah, the problem is, though, you do lost to Duke by 12 points last year. And Duke was probably the worst team in the ACC. And, the, yeah. and also, I know the injuries are a problem. They're not an entire excuse. It is a reality. But also, we had Hampson National doing was out. Marvin Wilson played hurt the entire year. Tamara and Terry was also hurt the entire, most of the majority of the year. Fair. So, and also, it's up to you as a head coach to recruit players that can give you sustainable and consistent, solid depth. So, mm. to me, that's more an indictment on him as a head coach. Even though okay. I, thought the, I thought the year that he was, what, like 1 10 2? I think that was the year of 9 3. I'm like, yeah. okay, I see something here. But then now I'm starting to see, like, okay, maybe that was more that his players that he were there before did that. And now with most of the players leaving, like, I think Andre Cisco was gone, that now he hasn't been able to restock the shelves and it's come, they're coming to pay the price. And it's going to be really unfortunate when, you know, he wins what, three games, four games, maybe. Because I like Dino I, I want yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're on the same. Like I I want him to stay. I think for me personally, as a person of color, like I want him to be a part of this because I think it's bigger than him. And he knows that pressure. He had to answer questions about it. And like, of course, at the end of the day, like he can only do but so much. But mm-hmm. you know, we gotta look at the landscape. I think you the Syracuse is a tough place to recruit, right? You've got yeah. Florida State, you got Miami, you've got freaking Carolina, Mac Brown, and all of that, you know, in the in the NC logo. <laughs> It's hard to tell somebody out of all those schools, screw all that in the ACC, come to Syracuse. Right? And also, they know they're not going to be the prime draw for their fans or their boosters or their alumni because Syracuse at its core is a basketball school with Jim right. Beheim and what they're doing with the Orange. Like, And that is, is really, really difficult. So I, I don't envy that situation at all. But unfortunately, like as much as we both like him, because I like him a lot, I think mm-hmm. you can tell like, he's a really good dude. He works really hard. And like I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know if you're seeing the Carrier Dome video he made to, to, mm-hmm. to, to set people up. Like, I thought that was dope. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think this might be the year where just finally his time runs out. But I also like at some point, you got you to temper expectations, Syracuse. Like, what do we want? Because we've seen it's, us win 10 times. It's like, oh, we should be like that. Or but, that was a fluke. So he's what I'm saying, that. though. He said I'm not, <laughs> go ahead. So you I'm, say, I'm saying, though, that like if you I'm not asking no one six games. I'm not. I'm not I don't know. You probably got tired of this question. Like if you win six. If he wins six and gets fired, then yeah, I would argue like oh, Syracuse. You know where you are in the <laughs> landscape of college football. Period. You make a bowl game yeah. and you fire this man after going one and ten. You might need to look yourself on the mirror a little bit because you're not that. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. <laughs> Facts. Listen, I'm all for people like wanting more for themselves, but also you got to like let me see me what I'm working with, and I'm not working with much. I can't exactly be oh head over heels trying to compare and compete with the Clemsons of the world. Like I just got to just be me, and that's okay. Yeah. You right? So there's that. So we got other teams to go over throughout next week, but of course I had to cut it off because at the end of the day, we want you guys to come back for more. We want to make sure that you are well fed in the episode, but still itching to have more conversations further. So we will go over Louisville. We will go over Wake Forest, and of course we got to talk about Clemson and Mr. Cinco himself big cinco dj Lele. there it is i tried there it is Wait, okay i'm getting better i'm getting better hallelujah praise you gotta talk about davo sweeney you know and all of his conversations like he kind of snapped on one of the reporters today because he's like i never said that i wasn't for nil like correct yourself i learned a lot about clemson in their 12-year program that they've had to help kids learn about financial literacy so i'm like yeah y'all been up on game right y'all just been like <laughs> sowing the seeds so all those things that we'll discuss so i want you guys to come back for more and i think we'll continue these conversations into next week where can we find you jersey drake if we want to hear more from you and your team 
All right. You can follow us at Locked On Semos on wherever you get your podcast from. You can follow me at Tally underscore underscore Drake. Also at Knowles Anonymous. That's kind of our, our group, our collective, where all our fans and us, we discuss with you. We have a Discord as well. Hit us up for the uh, invitation, the link to that. And yeah, we're fans first, people second, podcasters, content creators third. So come by for a good time. No doubt. And if you guys, again, you can't forget about the mock draft episodes that are hitting your way on the Odyssey and Locked On Sync. Listen to the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey. They will feature Chad Ford, Brian Skelebrain, and Ryan McDonoghue. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the ultimate mock draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. For Candace Cooper and Drizzy Drake, we hope you guys have a smart and safe weekend. Until next time. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. (laughs) 